0: You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast, recorded in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. And welcome back, everybody, to another uh, episode of Screening in Kingston. And uh, everyone, including us, are really, really thankful that we've brought someone here to save us from ourselves. Um, Taylor, do you want to introduce our special guest this week?
1: Yes. So it is our TIFF correspondent right from Toronto, Nicole Stavikowski, my best friend and bridesmaid. What's up, guys? Thank, Welcome you, for Thank you for
2: having me. I'm excited. Cool.
0: Um, Nicole, I don't know... Uh, how how religiously you listen to our show but you have to understand how grateful we are to have you here because we were off the rails last week
2: (laughs) I Uh, thought it was a great show last week I did listen to it I was here for it
0: (laughs) oh okay all right
1: Taylor and
0: I I were like oh that was not great
1: (laughs) sometimes we run out of steam and we know it even before we start recording and that was last week (laughs) <laughs> no, I definitely enjoyed it. i okay, I do want to see the French movie that you saw. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was enjoyable. How to, be, how, how to be a good. How to be a good wife? Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's. Uh, it, it definitely. You can tell. I think when we're out of steam, when when our rants go into many different directions as they did. Um, especially me if I'm tired I just you give me a topic and I'll just start yammering about it but I just I thought it was funny that both Nicole or sorry both Taylor and I were like oh that was not a great episode but at least we got Nicole coming next one yeah
1: I got this yeah (laughs) so we get a break and um someone else can ramble on no
0: um,
1: you'll do a, a very good job I know and we're excited we're so excited. Um, it's, you know, it's always fun when TIFF comes around, but it's a particularly, it's going to be a particularly interesting episode considering, um, Yeah, it was different current, this year. Yeah, current events. Yes. So, yeah. And that,
0: that's really interesting. I mean, before we get into fan questions, Nicole, can you just give us a very brief rundown of how exactly TIFF did work this year?
2: Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. So basically they had a a couple different ways that you could watch some of the films. And as you probably know, the, the selections for the year were cut down quite a bit. Usually there's something like over 300 things, movies to choose from. And I'm talking like docs and narrative films and all of that. But this year there was only 50. So there's there was, I don't know exactly how many shorts there were, how many docs there were, but they were kind of, they were like, we, are, we only have 50 TIFF selections. So we could uh, view them via digital screenings um, on uh, TIFF Digital Cinema. Um, there were a number, like a small number of in-person screenings at the TIFF Bell Lightbox downtown. There were some drive-in right. screenings and also open air cinema screenings. So you kind of oh. had your choice.
0: Cool. Yeah. Well, they actually did have some variety in there. I I imagined everyone at home on laptops. Oh, no. That's great. That's really good that we had different things.
1: But, Nicole, you you did watch um, all digitally, right? That's right. I did not want to go to the movies or go. We don't have a car either,
2: so it's not. Yeah. And so I just kind of hung out in my bed and on my couch and watched Tiff movies, which was different. Um,
0: and how many did you watch
2: this year? I watched, so I I purchased nineteen rentals in total. Now, in that there was a mix of documentary, feature right. film, and uh, shortcut programs as well.
0: Wow, that's still a, a pretty good percentage of of fifty to choose from. You saw a lot.
2: I did see a lot. I'm surprised.
0: Okay, well, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna hear from from you about uh, some films to look forward to. Um, from the Toronto International Film Festival, things that you liked um, in a little bit. We are going to start off with some fan questions. And Nicole, feel free to jump right in and all answer right. some fan questions. Awesome. Uh, There's three of us this week. So let's all let's just all give our answers. Dog pile. Dog pile. Love <laughs> <it>. <laughs> and say if some of these questions don't interest you, still answer it.
2: Okay, great.
0: We do that. <laughs> we just jump, we'll answer questions. <laughs> um, yeah, so we we have a Fan questions this week from from uh, Ronald Coleman, the return of Ronald Coleman. Oh my gosh,
2: Ronald! Uh,
0: Josh and, of course, Tyler, who's appeared out of nowhere after being absent for a very long time.
1: Many, many weeks.
0: Uh, he, he finally got out of the subway and uh, <laughs> he's ready to, ready to talk to us. So we'll, we'll, talk, we'll go for Ronald first and then we'll go right down through. Uh, so Ronald Coleman writes and says, Hello, Taylor and Mike. Just read an article in the Irish Press. That Tom Hardy has been selected to play the next James Bond. I think that's a great choice. Could he be the best Bond ever? What do you think? Now, the Irish press, do we believe that this is a real story? Is that a reputable (laughs) (laughs) story?
1: It's like very specific. I looked it
0: up. And I found sources that confirmed this, but none of them were, like, the big things. Like, none of them were the, the really big places that I go for, like, movie news. So I'm a little confused. It seems like it's one of the things that it's a decision that happened, but it was leaked, maybe?
1: But the Irish know. press, doesn't that sound like he was reading, like, the National Post but like, the Irish version of the, like, it would be it like... It certainly
0: sounds that way, It would <laughs> yes. be
1: like... um. The Toronto Star or, like, the Globe and Mail breaking that.
0: (laughs) So so you think Ronald Coleman was sitting here reading the Irish press newspaper, saw this, had like, why would the Irish press be talking about, is Tom Hardy Irish?
2: He's British, I think. Yeah, Yeah, that's
0: what I thought. Because I thought in order to be James Bond, you had to be British. I thought that was the whole thing.
1: Is that a thing? I don't yeah, know. That. It is.
0: According to, like, the, the, I think the, whoever the producers of Bond are, yes, they, they want British.
1: Everyone Bond. has been British.
0: Yeah. Wow. So anyway, if this is true, Tom Hardy, pretty good actor. I, I don't know he's a, how he's going to cover really his face good. in this role.
1: I think he's a really good actor. He is. Um, I know there's going to be some backlash because people wanted it to be a more diverse um, casting. There was a lot of talk about not going with a white male. And at some point, I think they were even, even some people were floating the idea of hiring a woman. Um, All that kind of dialogue aside, I like the casting. I like Tom Hardy. I like that it's going to be like a bruiser as a James Bond, like not so much right. suave, more like a a stu- like a thug James Bond. I like it. Nicole like he has him. a past, you know. Yeah, like he's like he's rough, and he's,
0: <laughs> yeah, he's not.
1: He's used, rough. <laughs> he's rough. He's a rough guy. <laughs> rough around the edges, you know. I
2: I. Don't disagree with you, but I'm in like I'm in it for Idris Elba or David Do you guys know David Kaluuya? I don't know if I'm saying oh, Yeah, David
0: I, Kaluuya would have been great.
2: Oh my god, he would have been great. He's in uh, yeah. Get Out.
0: Yes. I never even thought of him. I was on I was on the Idris Elba train actually too, but I never even thought of him. He would have been great.
2: Right? Yeah. So, I mean, I probably won't see James Bond anyway, so great to whoever <laughs> they choose,
1: but Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, and I agree with everything you just said, Taylor, that at least it's something a little different. Like he is going to be more of a bruiser. He's a good actor. So that's something to to go with and see kind of where. Do do we think he has the suave that's, that's needed for the role? I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other movies I've seen him in other than most recently, which is like The Revenant and Venom. Was he
1: in Inception?
0: Oh, yes, he was, you're right. He
1: plays, like, a more polished...
0: Yep. There you go, I stand corrected. Um, You're absolutely right, he was.
1: Yeah, so I think he, like, can't... I mean, I think he's a versatile enough actor that, like, he could, but that's not the James Bond I want to see. Like, I want to see Tom Hardy's Bond.
0: All right, well, I think you might get it, (laughs) because... (laughs) This might be true. And if so, we might be one of the first North American...
1: Uh, breaking the uh, news.
0: Groups to break the news. Yeah, breaking but news. You uh, should to hear it first, folks. Tom Hardy is James Bond.
1: I should also clarify, like Nicole, I have no intention of actually seeing this movie. <laughs> but, if, you know, I, I'm all for it in terms of the casting. I could potentially read some fan fiction of Tom Hardy as James Bond but whether or not I actually see the movie um, I've only ever seen one James Bond and it was kind of like by accident so So if you
0: accidentally stumbled into a theater though and saw Tom Hardy playing James Bond you'd be like okay that's good
1: it's interesting enough casting that I would consider going to see it in theaters yeah
0: well don't worry everybody I'll see it and (laughs) And then I'll talk about it (laughs) <laughs> I got this one. Um, but thank you, Ronald, for breaking news. That's, that's interesting. Maybe we're breaking news. We don't know. Uh, Josh is up next. The Inquisitor asks, oh, hey, he says this is for both of us. So, Nicole, jump on in. Uh, based on the movies that have been announced for release this year and the ones that have already been released, what do you think will actually be the most successful financially? So will we see any movies hmm. making some money like, I, I don't even, I don't know, because I don't think, um, I don't think Tenet did what they wanted it to do.
1: I just saw a headline um, essentially saying that Americans aren't going back to the theaters yet. Yes. Like, the movies are only making, like, a couple million. Yeah.
2: I read the something similar. There was a movie that came out recently, a rom-com called Broken Hearts Gallery, um, and that one, like was a very highly anticipated release in the States and it's
1: getting good reviews as well.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it didn't, it definitely didn't. And like, it's a rom-com. So I feel like it's pretty universally appealing generally. And it's something kind of uh, not, you know, it's kind of escapist for this time anyway. So you would think that people would go see it, but from what I understand, it's a lot more uh, drive in screenings and yeah, people are not really venturing out to the movies quite as much.
0: Yeah. And, and I think I think maybe it's just going to be, at least for the rest of this year, probably into the Oscar season and, and a lot of next year, I think the movies that make money are the ones that are able to sell to yeah. streaming services.
2: Yeah. yeah, for sure.
0: Like those will make money. Those will make some money back and, and it'll be seen by the most people. And I mean, I don't have a problem with that. That's great. We talk about that on the show all the time. It's great to have movies that you wouldn't normally get a chance to see, but I think it might be all films are going to go to streaming.
1: I just think in order to recoup costs, I'm seeing headlines now that Europe is essentially in its second wave. Um, So Mm -hmm. foreign markets are, you know, if a a film didn't necessarily do well domestically, they could often recoup costs in foreign markets, but I don't even think we're going to be seeing, you know, European markets. Um, Mm really being much revenue either. So, um yeah. I don't think anything is going to be a big money maker now until essentially until there's a vaccine. I I don't think and again, this is pure speculation. I've said it on the show before. We do not have a crystal ball when it comes to COVID and to the movie industry, but if the if Americans aren't heading back to the theaters now, I can't anticipate them heading back now until there's a vaccine,
0: yeah. So,
1: okay. um, and again, we're fortunate in Kingston where the cases are so low. You know, uh, i've I've been going to the movies. I, I've been to the movies three times. Mike, you've been a couple of times, yep. but I can tell you, like, it is not a hop in place. Like, nope. It, <laughs> um. So, I'm sure. The, the trends are probably similar in Canada. I, I can't imagine people are flocking to the movies in Toronto right now, Nicole. I know, I know you haven't been going to the theater, and you're the biggest movie fan I know. Yeah, absolutely not. No, I won't go. I will so. yeah.
0: And I think, I think that says it right there, right? If, if big movie fans won't even go. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think – I'm with you, Taylor. I wouldn't be going if it wasn't for the fact that Kingston hasn't been huge on cases.
1: Yeah, if there was another, um, you know, once Kingston dips into the yellow or whatever the other mm. like, whatever is below green. Yeah. <laughs> um, once we dip from below green, I will be taking a break from the movie theater.
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah, and I and I just think yeah, it's going to be streaming, so I don't think you're going to see large profit margins unless people try the Mulan route, which is terrible and charge you an extra thirty bucks on top of your streaming service. So um, I cannot but-
1: if Netflix. If Netflix was like, hey, you have to spend an extra 30 bucks to rent this movie, I'd be like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, it, I would don't never. Worry,
0: don't, worry, don't worry, Taylor. Not a lot of people fell for it from yeah. what I read. It was mainly just me and like six other people.
2: <laughs> I had a friend who did it too.
0: Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> i was
2: excited. But there's a big boycott on the lawn. Nobody is really watching it.
0: I saw, yes. Because yeah. yeah. of the
2: Chinese censorship? Yeah. Or yeah. because of uh, assimila- like assimilation camps, essentially. Oh, yeah. yeah,
0: it's wild. It's, it's interesting. It, yeah, that that movie like suddenly had a huge political storyline behind it out of like just immediately, mm-hmm. as well as the fact that people were like, "But and then I have to pay thirty dollars." Yeah, like it, yeah. I think it was doomed from the beginning, unfortunately. Um, next question here is for you, Taylor. Josh wants to know, with the third Conjuring movie being delayed until June of 2021, are there any other horror movies that are being released before that you're actually excited for?
1: So I often don't know um, what's anticipated especially with not having cable and not going to the movie theaters, I (laughs) haven't been exposed to trailers. And to be honest, I haven't been keeping abreast of uh, what has been delayed and what hasn't. I can tell you that um, I'm very excited for The Haunting of Blythe Manor. Uh, That's going to be released on Netflix, which is supposed to be like the um, sister series to The Haunting of Hill House.
0: So I actually might be
1: saying that name wrong. Bly
0: Manor. I, I, I knew they had, to, I didn't know the name of it actually. I knew they had a second one coming. I just didn't know. Yeah. The name.
1: So it's the haunting of Bly Manor, B-L-Y. Um, and it's coming out. Um, it looks like the second week of October. So Netflix is going to be releasing a lot of um, content. Um, that is obviously leaning towards halloween in october so any horror fans i would say kind of keep your eye on um uh netflix releases so in addition yeah. to the haunting of blind manor um uh, the the new version of rebecca with um the girl from uh mama mia <laughs>
0: Oh, Lily James?
1: <laughs> yep, Lily James um, and the guy from... Um, Army Hammer? Yep. Uh, <laughs> Army Hammer. <Harry. laughs> so um, I was really looking forward to that um, movie just in general, but uh, especially because they're releasing it kind of in time for Halloween, that's going to be super exciting. And there was uh, one or two other things that I was uh, looking forward to on Netflix. I was looking forward to Ratchet... Um, yeah uh, but it's been getting some pretty dismal reviews it's apparently like the worst of ryan murphy like what like when he like is given complete creative control and like all of the worst things he ends up doing
2: he went bananas
1: yeah like apparently it's like the it's him at his worst so i saw one headline that describes it as the worst season of american horror story <laughs> Essentially, oh. it's like <laughs> okay. you know it's it's not a series of american horror story but essentially it should be i guess it be, yeah. and it's the worst one of the bunch okay um so that's kind of that was a little disappointing to see this stuff um come out about that but definitely the haunting of blind manor anyone who watched Haunting of Hill House. Um, I guess that was last year. Nicole, you watched it too, right? So that was yeah. Yeah, yeah. 2019, 2018? He, I actually think it was 2018 yeah. or beginning of 2019. So that was on my, one of my must watches for Halloween, um, I think last year. So anyone who watched that first series and really enjoyed it, I'm sure uh, is also looking forward to the Haunting of Lime Manor. So we will see. It's, um, the creator is kind of imagining it almost like an anthology series where each season is a different retelling of a classic horror story, but with the same ensemble cast. Cool. So you'll see a lot of familiar faces from um, the haunting of Hill house, but it's a completely different story. And this is going to be a modern update of turning of the screw. um, So anyone who, uh, is familiar with that story that movie's actually been made a couple times one with uh, marlon brando at one point so if anyone's interested in that story it's going to be kind of a modern take um so yeah super excited for that um we'll just have to keep waiting for the conjuring so what conjuring is Conjuring's being pushed back to june what a horrible
0: 2021
1: stupid wait till october like what was yeah. the, what were they thinking releasing it in the middle of summer i don't know <laughs> i don't know
0: because like i'm honestly i'm really excited for it too because taylor you got me all into the conjuring universe now and now i'm like in totally into the conjuring universe and it's your fault and so <laughs> now i was like oh yeah great there's a third one coming out this fall and i'm all catching up and I can get all excited about it this summer and then but now now i gotta wait another year
1: i think if you're postponing it that late like that's fine like we have to postpone things. Everyone wants to have the like the true theatrical release. I can appreciate that. Oh my gosh, wait a couple more months. What's a couple yeah, more months at that point? Yeah, why
0: can't you put it in October
1: <laughs> like, or September? Do like a, yeah. a late September release and yeah, pfft, stupid.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. Um, Josh's last question is just asking me if um, has there been a day that is sufficiently bright and cheery enough for me to watch the nun yet there is no
1: (laughs) and there won't be for a long time considering we're going The days are
0: getting shorter (laughs) (laughs) and i still see the nun sometimes in my bathroom so Um, what yeah like sometimes i walk in my bathroom (gasps) and before i turn the light on i swear i see the outline of the nun
2: Um, oh goodness mike I i will
0: not watch that movie until next summer um, what's that uh, day of the summer solstice when it's the longest day of the year?
1: I think the 21st or something, yeah, in like June.
0: Yeah, 21st of June, I will be watching The Nun. 20 Take full 20 advantage
1: more. of the daylight hours.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> I've never been as creeped out before.
1: <laughs> That's so funny. You'll be okay, Mike.
2: You're going to do fine. I believe in you.
0: I hope so. For most things, I'm, I'm like, it's just a movie, but for some reason with the nun, it's like, no, it's <laughs> real and in my bathroom. Uh, so we'll see. Um, last question comes from Tyler, and it's less of a question and more of a speech. Um, so I'll go through this. Uh, so mainly, Taylor, this will interest you um, because he, uh, he listened to, to some suggestions you had. And then there's, uh, there's a couple post scripts from Tyler Vance at the end that have some questions in it. So I'll read through the full email first and then we'll, we'll go to the that part. So uh, he says, a couple weeks ago, Taylor delivered her best convoluted rating yet. Skip it. Unless you're a weirdo like Tyler Vance for the movie She Dies Tomorrow. When I heard that, I laughed so hard, I almost ruined the science I was doing. Well, challenge accepted. I set out to experience the fabled Hearst mel esque horror movie for myself It wasn't in any theater in Toronto, metropolitan of culture, my expletive. But I did find it to rent on YouTube. So I sat down to watch it thinking to myself, I'm not as weird as a movie watcher as Taylor thinks I am. (laughs) And I pressed play. She Dies Tomorrow begins with a close up of an eye that is slowly fills up and releases a single tear as red and blue lights flash around it. We then move to a creepy shot of a person having a mental breakdown as seen through a door ajar. When the person turns to look at the camera in rage, we cut away quickly to a glacially slow scene of a woman walking aimlessly around her house. He continues to explain this, but I'm gonna skip the purpose of the time. He says, though, no, it was at this point, not five minutes into the movie, that I started laughing. Laughing because I'm just as weird as Taylor expected. I am with the movie, and I knew I was gonna love it. So thank you, Taylor. For this recommendation i loved she dies tomorrow it's existential dread it's uh pacing its use of off-focus blur light sources uh it's it works very well uh allegorical thematically and experimentally though on a more literal what the heck is happening level it doesn't work all in all a very tyler movie to be sure so there you go taylor you were correct
1: so, listeners, this goes to show, if you write in as often as Tyler and some of our other listeners, you may get a Taylor pick just
0: for you. And you did. That was a Taylor pick for Tyler Vance. And you know. On the nose. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> well, I'm like so glad. He, he went in going, I'm not going to like this. I'll show her. Nope. Nope. <laughs> he loved it.
1: <laughs> I love it. I'm. Mean, I'm glad that Tyler um, enjoyed it, and that's why my it was a convoluted rating. But it goes to show, you know, I'm uh, my ratings pay off.
0: <laughs> yeah. When are your ratings not convoluted? I mean, it's <laughs> we come up with a rating system to be simpler and to just explain it to people and give a little snapshot, and and you like to go off, and it's fun. You always have something to add to it. <laughs> um, as I said, he's got a lot of postscript here, so I'm going to go through them. So P.S., in reference to the bingo card debate brought forward by Lily, I would say that bingo can be played either episode by episode or over the course of several episodes, but the former would just be more impressive. I also got, almost got a bingo uh, a couple episodes back and was missing the Avengers theme plays. He shakes his fist at coronavirus for getting rid of not a great plant, so there you go. He's our bingo card creator, so he's he the authority he bingo. He's
1: the authority on the bingo card,
0: and that's Lily and, and Tyler who both almost had bingos. So congrats. We're it. We just got a one episode. We have to look at the card and try to deliver a bingo, but I guess that's less fun.
1: That's kind we of cheating.
0: Be, yeah, we I guess we're also we're we're. He knows us enough to know that these are things that come up all the time. So it'll happen. It'll happen. Uh, PPS, in reference to Mike's ongoing and intensifying vendetta against the Kurtzman-verse era of Star Trek, I'm always down to talk more Trek, though I have never watched the show that shall not be named. Uh, Mike, have you seen any of the weird Star Trek animated comedy show they have now called Below Decks? It looks bad. It's called Lower Decks, and it is bad. That is all I will say on the subject today. We do not have time, uh, but Tyler, I'm, I'm emailing you as I edit this tonight to set something up. So check your email, uh, P P P S in reference to, I'm thinking of ending things. Another classic Tyler movie that I enjoyed thoroughly. I would like to say that one does not need to be high to enjoy experimental film for the weirdos like me who liked movies like mother, her smell, she dies tomorrow and more while being completely sober I take umbrage. So there you go. Tyler jumps in and says, you act, we, I think we asked that last week in our crazy episode. Um, if you have we, to be asked,
1: high to enjoy. To,
0: yeah, That was part of the rants, Nicole, that we were talking about that we sometimes just go on. Um, <laughs> and, and Tyler is basically saying, no, he's, he's sober when he, he watches these films and he enjoys them. There you go. Well, there are people out there who love this type of film and, and there's no, nothing wrong with that. I mean, Tyler loves these types of films. I feel like we just need to bring him on the show. Every time we watch something like this, and just say you you review it. <laughs> we don't want to watch this. You, know <laughs> you do it.
2: There's a pot for every lid. So. I feel like Tyler and I would get along really well. I'm pretty Definitely. because I, I think he and I were the only ones who liked at least like a little bit. I liked her smell, and I think I showed Taylor mother. You did. Yeah, I showed, and I was so jazzed about it, and she. Hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Crashed. Like, well, I guess, I guess, I guess, I'm just flying solo
1: on this kind of stuff. No, you found no, I, your I, movie soulmate. It's Tyler. Yeah, May. I, yeah, I think
0: maybe what we need to do is get all four of us in on a future episode and just have two <laughs> thinking one way and two thinking the other about certain films. Like we'll pick them in advance and we'll just all have a debate about it. That's that should right.
1: be the next movie club.
0: Yeah, that would be great. Tyler, and Nicole, Nicole. Yeah, Tyler and versus versus, and
2: Mike.
0: versus Mike versus Mike and Taylor, and we just yeah, I love. See, that's the thing. I love debating movies because I don't take it personally, and I would love nothing more than to have that discussion. So maybe that should be our next movie club. We'll talk about it. I love it. Don't need to take up more of Nicole and Tyler's time, but hey, you know if we <laughs> stay it on air and find out, I'll be obligated. <laughs> to do I'm it. here for it. Okay, cool. That sounds good. We'll see what Tyler says. Okay. Uh, but that's it. That, that's our fan questions this week. Thank you everyone so much for writing in. Just a quick reminder that if you do want to send in a fan question, go to our website at Screening in Kingston. Um, it's Screening in You can fill out a quick form there or you can email us at our Gmail Screening in at gmail.com. Some people do one or the other. Doesn't matter. Send it in that way. Um, Okay, now we're going to talk about TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival 2020. So, Nicole, um, Mm -hmm. why don't you just start things off by telling us some of your general impressions and then just take it away?
2: Oh, sure. Okay, great. So, um, as I mentioned before, uh, there were a number of ways that you could watch TIFF films this year, which included... Um, your digital screenings, cinema screening, drive-in screenings, open air cinema screenings and I stuck to digital screenings which I will say I did miss the ambiance of the audience and kind of chatting with your fellow moviegoers and asking yeah. people what you've seen because you know I don't really read a ton of reviews or news I kind of rely on the word of mouth at the festival like as you go down every day you're you know, you're asking, what have you seen that you liked? And um, we unfortunately didn't have that this year, but, and I did also miss like the Midnight Madness uh, vibe of things. Midnight Madness is a program at TIFF where you go see a film at midnight and it's always a horror film. And after you know every screening of tiff movies there's usually the filmmakers are around and the actors are around for QA. while they did do that digitally um it's usually pretty nice to you know if you have a question you're in the audience you can raise your hand and ask so that you know kind of missed out a little bit but nicole how did the q a work then so the q a's were um specific to the programmers and then the people involved in the film so they i I guess they did Zoom calls and then they just put them up on YouTube. So it's public. You can totally go and watch all of these Q and A's on YouTube. Um, So that was good to have, especially because I often, you know, with some of these films, I I need context and I need to know a little bit more of like, why did you make this? Um, Do you have any relation to the subject matter? And it was, it's nice to actually have, I did watch a few of the Q&As and it was nice to have the um that kind of context.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure it's I mean first of all, I think it's absolutely fair that some people need that for certain films. Like I and I think for some movies it might even make you look at it in a new way to 100%. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. I did find that I felt I always end up at, I I know this is just me being easily swayed and I don't hate very many movies and I usually like them more after I hear uh, more from the people who made them, so you know you get a deeper understanding of why
1: it was made and all of that fun stuff. But essentially, um, you lose the sort of the live aspect of it, right? Like it's yeah, there was no, it was like reading the Criterion essay of the yeah, DVD exactly, and okay. no community
2: in there. There's no like. I mean, I'm talking Midnight Madness specifically, which is what I miss the most. And you've got like beach balls being thrown around and people wooing during like the the horror movie I saw this, this tiff would have been amazing to see with a bunch of people because it was like, it was Canadian. It was like a Lars von Trier kind of vibe and just super disturbing. And it just would have been amazing to be around Mm -hmm. people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're missing something of the experience. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know.
2: I'm glad that it did happen, but also, like, you know, it makes you appreciate stuff in person a little bit more, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So, um, I saw 19 movies. Well, actually, maybe I'll go, um, because every year there's um, awards given to movies um, and as we know, the Tiff People's Choice movie is yeah. something that kind of sets a precedent for award season. Um, so the and generally every other year, this film is screened free to the public. Okay. Um, unfortunately, that did not happen this year. Yeah. Um, so if you did not see the film, uh, you were kind of out of luck in that res- regard. So um, the Tiff People's Choice this year was Nomad Land. Um, which I had the pleasure of seeing. So I'll be, it's one of my picks. So I'll kind of give a little bit of of what that's about. Um, The Runner up to the people's choice. And these are movies that you're probably going to hear a lot about anyway. So keep everybody, keep your eyes peeled and your ears open. Uh, The runner up was Regina King's one night in Miami. And then the second runner up was beans, which is a Canadian film um, from Tracy Deer. Uh, Best documentary went to inconvenient Indian. Um, Best Midnight Madness went to Shadow in the Cloud. Um, and there were a few other awards, but just generally movies that came from TIFF this year that you are likely to see around, yeah. Um, yeah. including One Night in Miami, Ammonite, which I'm sure maybe you, you all have maybe seen a trailer to with Kate
1: Winslet and Sir yeah. Ronan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, name, I don't. I didn't know the name of the movie, but it's, yeah. It's the searcher Yeah. What's yeah. It? I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I've seen one of
0: probably only a handful of films that I had actually heard of going into TIFF this year. Mm-hmm. Just again, like, be, being so different this year, I, I even felt less connected than, than normal with it. But it was one of maybe five or six films that I did hear was going to TIFF. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I did not see that, but um, I'm sure it's beautiful. Um, and then you'll probably hear a little bit about Halle Berry's film that she directed called "Bruised." Yeah. Um, Spike Lee's new documentary, uh, David Burns' "American Utopia." Viggo Mortensen directed a film called "Falling." Yep.
0: Um,
2: the a uh, uh, Shia LaBeouf's movie um, that he was in, "Pieces of a Woman." Um, did you see that one? I did not see yeah. that one.
0: That's one of the ones I'm most curious about.
2: Yeah, I thought it was a short film. So, and I was, you know, you guys know that I go into TIFF being like, you know, I'm not going to see movies. I'm not going to pay to see movies that are going to come out in the theaters. No. This one really backfired though, because it's not like I'm going to the theater. So I really <laughs> yeah. should have just seen what I wanted. Yeah. yeah just oh, and enjoy. it's a good way
0: to, to. It's a good method. Go go see things that you think are not going to be released somewhere. Yeah. Like, way to do it.
2: Um, another round, which is uh, Thomas Vinterberg Vin- a movie which has your uh, crush in it, Taylor Mickelson. Yes. And um, another what one that you'll probably. It? I think. I don't know. Actually, I did not write that down. I can do a quick Google. Um, but don't,
0: don't you? I thought you liked Skarsgård.
2: I like Me?
1: the oh, But no, I like no, Mads, no. Mads Mickelson. That was
0: your Taylor Taylor's crush. When you said crush, I was like, Mads Mickelson. I thought you liked Skarsgard.
1: Um Alexander Skarsgard, I do um like, but Mads Mickelson, he is quite quite, the quite quite yeah, quite the something. <laughs>
0: oh, you 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 have two movie crushes? Wow.
1: I have several movie crushes, but I think I've mentioned I um, I'm not dialed into Tumblr anymore, but uh, <laughs> most of our devoted listeners will know that I'm a fanable. So, anyone who's yeah. a fanable obviously knows that, yes, Mads Mickelson, hello.
0: Well, um. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm just the type of guy who believes in one movie crush.
2: I have no, several. no, no. You must have a variety. No, no. It you is, must have a variety. It is important to have a variety. But uh, Taylor, to answer your question, it's from Denmark,
1: so I'm assuming it's either Danish or Swedish. Yeah, so it might not be making the rounds. It might end up at the screening room. We get it. Well, yeah. the screening
0: room might get it because, yeah, they, they often try to have at least two, one or two films a week that are, that are foreign language. And
1: he's a big enough actor that... Um, it will be a draw like you, like he's mm-hmm. a, he's like a house i wouldn't go so far maybe to say a household name but like he's certainly is a well-known actor in north american circles now so
0: yeah i think he's up there enough that he can carry a film yeah
1: continue nicole oh yeah
2: and then just another one that i had written down penguin bloom which is somewhat a film that um, people had been talking a little bit about um, i think Who's that one who was in Virgin Suicides? I can't remember her name right now. And bring it on! What? Oh, she's oh my blonde. gosh!
0: She's not. Oh, she was um, in, um, what's her
1: name? Gods. Oh shoot! I'll Google it. I can't believe we can't remember her name. I also can't
2: believe it. Here's I mean, the like,
1: deal. Like she's a I, legitimate uh,
2: Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, she I, mean, I think she's in it. <laughs> anyway, I didn't see it, but. I would not be surprised if you see it kicking around post-TIFF. Um, okay. So those are the ones that you might see, you might hear, and they did come from TIFF this year, so yay. Um, and also, just like a side note for the listeners, there was one film that I saw last year at TIFF called uh, Arab Blues, and it's on Crave. It just It's just been added, so I totally suggest everybody watches that this week. It's so funny.
0: Oh, I have Crave. Yeah. I'll check that. Sorry, what, what was the name of
2: it? It's called Arab Nobody. Blues.
0: Arab Blues, okay. Yeah. I'll check it out.
2: Is that when she's she's a doctor? Yeah, she's like a psychiatrist, and she goes to her hometown where people are kind of um, just need a psychiatrist, <laughs> and and yeah, it's just it's really funny, and she kind of gets back to her family and to her roots, and she's yeah, it's great. It's a great movie.
0: Well, Nicole, for suggestions for me at least, you're one for one, so I'll, I'm going to take it. Yeah, hundred percent. So. I'm sure it'll be great.
2: So I think I'll go through just the ones that I've seen. Yeah. Um The ones that I watched at TIFF. Uh. The ones that I watched were Shiva, Baby, uh, Spring Blossom, No Ordinary Man, Memory House, Nomadland, Quovitis Ida, Lift Like a Girl, Beans, Aquila's Escape, Summer of 85, The Father, The Best is Yet to Come, The Inheritance, Violation, Limbo, and Underplayed. And then I saw three of the shortcut programs, specifically um, the first one, the third one, and the fifth one. And I'm not going to name all those shorts just because there's so many of them, and they were all excellent. Um, So, yeah, so I got around to seeing quite a bit of...
0: That's content.
2: a long list. That's a long list. Yeah, it was a lot, and it was. Yeah. yeah, again, it just it was great, but it just felt different. I don't know. I didn't feel like it was Tiff.
0: Yeah, um, that's like you were just
1: kind of binging movies over the exactly.
0: Place. Yeah, yeah. So, so why don't you? I mean. If you don't mind, why don't you start with with some of your favorites? Like were there a couple films? I remember last year there were a few that really jumped out at you like were there a few that you were like yeah, I loved this movie?
2: Honestly, yes. There was I was going through the list in preparation for this and I didn't realize how many of them I really enjoyed until I made my like <laughs> final list and like that's the whole the that's where the TIFF blur comes in. You're like, okay, let me look at all the titles again and let you know which ones I liked because I don't even know at this point. So um, I'll kind of go through what those are and, and what they're about. Um, and yeah, if you have any questions along the way, definitely let me know. Um, I think my, this was in no particular order, but I'll, I'll start with my absolute favorite. It was called cool. No Ordinary Man. And it it's a documentary about a jazz musician named Billy Tipton who was operating during the 40s and the 50s. And upon his death, he was outed as trans by media. And it was kind of like a firestorm of terrible transphobic news and everything like that. Um but it was such a I I was crying like a baby through the whole thing. It's basically it was just this discourse about, you know, who tells stories, why it's important to have diverse stories, what those stories mean to people who are consuming them, how these, you know, how how simple it is to be a hero to somebody because everybody who was interviewed in the documentary were kind of modern. And it was it focused specifically on trans masculinity. Um, and uh, in case, you know, You ever see this documentary, Disclosure, which is on Netflix, is a very good companion to it. Um, And it was just, it was beautiful and it was absolutely heartbreaking. But, um, because there's no, unfortunately, there's no um, moving images of Billy Tipton. Um, And so they kind of had to do a little bit of improvising. They interviewed his son, which was really beautiful and yeah it was it was wow. excellent yeah it was really really excellent It
0: is that can is this a canadian f- i know the directors are canadian is, was it canadian like filmed here and
2: um you know i think i'm not sure if it was filmed here i didn't quite catch that in the q and a um okay. it might have been it was a lot of kind of sitting down for an interview and i think there was a portion where um in the documentary where they were auditioning actors for the part of billy tipton
0: yeah
2: um and that I think that was in LA actually. I don't think that that was in, no. but I'm not sure. Don't quote me. <laughs>
0: no, the only reason why I ask is because I know the directors of, of that documentary are, are both Canadians. So I just didn't know if they did a lot of the work here yeah. or, or around in the States or.
2: Yeah, but it was definitely, it was, it was beautiful. And it was, oh. it was so sad too, because like you, you find out eventually that Billy Tipton was very ill at the end of his life. And he knew that he was dying, um, and they didn't find any bindings in his home after he passed. And bindings are are things, you know, that specifically uh trans males wear. Um and it was almost like he was preparing and he didn't want anybody to know and he wow. didn't want any of that stuff found. So it was it was a lot. It was it's it's a really good documentary. I would highly recommend it.
0: Wow.
2: Mm-hmm. Um and another I really enjoyed uh a movie called Quivetas Ida and the director is uh Jasmila Zbanic, and that's from uh Bosnia and I didn't actually know this but I did cuz I don't I mean there was a Bosnian genocide as you as most people know um yeah. I did not know
1: uh and has um a friend who fled bosnia as like a trial
0: <gasps> oh really that's
1: wild yeah because her family was muslim or is like, yeah is muslim yeah because the bosnian genocide happened in like the early 90s
2: yeah i think it was like 90 94 95 is is what i got on the google but i'm sure it went
1: on even longer than yeah, that Yeah, so diana or, or Deanna was uh probably five when it was going oh on oh my gosh
2: so this, this movie kind of takes that, specifically it takes something that happened in the town of Srebrenka in Bosnia, and um, I guess the town was invaded, um, and there, it's like the Serbian army was kind of invading the town and beginning these kind of, uh, you know, killing people, taking them out of their homes, and the UN had a base around there, and the UN invited people as part of you know to to keep them safe but ultimately couldn't do so and the movie follows a woman who works for the UN and she's also a citizen of Srebrenica and she's a translator and so we kind of follow her throughout the film and it's it's like this agonizing 24 or 48 hours and it was super super upsetting and but also and just like a trend that I noticed this year at TIFF there's Really, no comedy. like everything that I saw was incredibly harrowing, and like I needed an, a break after watching everything
0: well, with the limitations that they they probably had in, in how many films, they yeah. probably wanted to take things that would resonate and were powerful exactly and, you know, the out there. I mean unfortunately, that's not always comedies.
2: I agree for sure, for sure. Um, so that like everything, you know, everything was important, and I learned a lot this year. But everything was incredibly heavy. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So it ended. Yeah. So definitely, if if Quovetis Aida Ida comes out around anywhere, definitely jump at that. It's beautiful and it's terrifying. And I personally learned a lot because I didn't really know about any of that uh stuff that happened in Bosnia. So I'm happy I'm happy to have watched it. That's great. yeah. Um, and then I really I got a chance to actually watch The Father, which is directed by Florian Zeller and stars Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's Oscar Buzz around his uh, performance. oh, my, and it was truly like so striking and it's about um an older gentleman who's struggling with dementia and his daughter who is his caretaker and essentially what dementia can do to the person who's suffering from it and caretakers and just people who are kind of around it and it was and I'm not gonna there's not much to give away basically it's so compelling because you're basically, as an audience member, put in the mindset of somebody who's suffering from dementia. They really, really mess with you. Um, wow. And it's it's upsetting. And Unfortunately, actually, the distributors only made the film available for three hours, and they cut me off the last 15 minutes. Um, wow,
1: that's a weird... What?
2: I was super upset about it. Not upset, yeah, but I absolutely. wasn't
0: happy. Especially as it seems like this movie, if it's so... It's so detailed and in depth and mm-hmm. probably s- such thrown into the story to have it cut off.
1: Oh, yeah. I was not super happy. So just oh. in um, terms of, I just am curious about the logistics. So essentially, yeah. you rented the film and the, it was like at a set time, you had to start watching it or like? Yeah. So when you get a so you would, at the beginning of the festival, you would kind of rent
2: all of your movies. And then it would say, you know, this film will be available from 6 p.m. on September 15th. And it is available for 24 hours. And then once you begin the film, you have 12 hours from when you begin the film to watch it. Okay. Um, but I did not know that this film was only available for three hours. Otherwise, I would have planned life differently. And I, you know, I had to work. So, um, and yeah, I was cut off the last 20 minutes. And I emailed them and I was like, can I please finish it? And they're like, no, but we'll give you your money back. And I'm like, thank you so much.
1: <laughs> At least you got your a refund. That's yeah. brutal. Yeah, it was, and it, because it just was so good, and, and. it reminds me of the movie, um, it came out a couple years ago, and Kristen Stewart was actually in it, about, um, forget the, the actress who plays the main character, but she gets early onset Alzheimer's. Oh, was it still Alice? Yeah. No. Yeah, totally. Maybe not, because still Alice, she's, like, older. Isn't she? Let me Google it. Julianne um, Moore. Yes. Yeah. So still Alice. Yeah. So was it like still Alice? Because it was that, nothing that was like still brutal. Alice. So I'll t- tell you why it wasn't.
2: It's like, this isn't really giving anything away, but they mess with you because you're not sure what is, re- who you're talking to, who you're looking at. What the it's based on a play, but they, they took some liberties with the set actually in, in the film version and they would switch up the set. You know, it starts with Olivia Coleman telling Anthony Hopkins, like, I'm going away to Paris, I'm living with, you know, the man who I love. And then moments later, you're told something completely different by Olivia Coleman. And because you're you're in his you're in Anthony Hopkins' mind essentially, so you have no idea what's actually happening
0: interesting if you're
2: what you're hearing is true if the apartment that he's in like anthony Hopkins, is insisting that it's his apartment and yet olivia coleman is like no dad it's my apartment you moved in here remember and then sometimes she'll be like no it's it's your apartment dad and yeah it's 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 not like it's not quite as As it's upsetting for sure, but it's more an experience, which I was—I didn't think it was going to be quite that way. Right. Yeah. Um, But would highly, highly recommend it if if anybody gets a chance to see it. Um. So yeah, and then uh, Beans is a movie from Tracy Deer, and this is Canadian, and it talks about the uh, Mohawk community in Quebec. Um, that was, it was, it was called the Oka crisis. And does anybody know what, what the Oka crisis is?
0: It sounds familiar, but no, and like not offhand. Yeah.
2: I didn't, I didn't know either, but it was basically a three month standoff between the Mohawk community in Quebec and the RCMP and the Canadian armed forces and Quebec provincial police on the other side. Um, and it was, it was, um, about the ex- expansion of a golf course. That was on uh, burial land, and the of course the Mohawk community was against it, but the RCMP and the Canadian Armed Forces and some Quebec citizens were for it, and it's it's kind of about that, Um, and it's told through the lens of this young girl. Her name is Beans, Um, and it's kind of like uh, a coming of age. Nicole, did you feel affinity for her? Because oh yeah. I did. I felt I felt yeah, I did feel like a, as much as I could. But yeah, it was it was like truly again, I didn't know about the Oka crisis and it is semi-autobiographical, so the director Tracy Deer actually did experience this kind of stuff as a young uh Mohawk girl. When did the crisis um, occur? It was in 1990, the summer of ni- 1990. Wow. And it was great because there was some and I, I was listening to the Q&A and Tracy Deer was like, you know, um, she spent 10 years previously as a documentary filmmaker. And she kind of intercut the, this feature with archival news footage. Oh, I love um, when a, film
1: does that. You love it when film does that? Yeah, I love when a movie that's yeah, a, like a fictional movie, yeah. but it's covering like real life events and they yeah. use the actual footage. I love that. Oh, it's and it's well. Like
2: I may might not necessarily like. You know, like I didn't love everything about it, but the whole the story and the performance by specifically the young girl, uh, Kim Tio is her act like is the actress's name, and she's so flip and talented. And yeah, it was. It's kind of. It's funny because the director was talking about how they shot it in autumn of last year, or. And she was saying that it was important because it was kind of like a throwback, you know, something that we shouldn't forget. But right, coming wow. out this time, you know, and how incredibly relevant it is
0: absolutely today
2: and how these things are still happening. Like like the, the Mohawk community was, you know, they ran out of food in their community and would have to kind of cross like the the line there to go into Quebec and get their groceries where people wouldn't serve them. They would like, people would shout racial slurs, throw rocks at them. So I did not know any of that happened. So yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was just
0: saying, sounds like a powerful movie though. Like it sounds like they, they were able to get, even though not knowing this thing existed, the movie helped bring light to it for you and for anyone watching it. And, and I think that that's, if, if a movie's done well, it can be so powerful that, you know, you look for other things, be like, oh yeah, I, I want to read more about this, or I am looked to this. And the fact that it, you know, happened in the 90s, but it's still so relevant today. Yeah. Oh I mean, yeah. This stuff happens all the time in Canada.
2: Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's definitely important to watch. Um, yeah. Another few that I enjoyed was a movie called Limbo from uh, Ben Sherrock. Um, about a a group of Syrian asylum seekers, and it was very funny. Taylor, I feel like you would enjoy it. Like, this specific kind of humor, I feel like you would definitely. Like, the, the opening scene is a cultural awareness class for a group of Syrian refugees, and it's set um, in this, like, remote uh, Scottish village. Yeah. And they're trying... They're, like, just... Just like showing that, like the the refugees, like how you dance in Europe, and it's just funny. I don't know, just the way they they did it. And so they they've this, been
1: is friends. Is this one of like the rare comedies you saw, or is it just a drama that happens to have humor?
2: I would say this. It was a well, I don't know. I laughed a lot through the whole thing, and it was supposed to be funny. So I would say it's a dramedy. Okay. Um. But yeah, it was it was excellent. Um. I watched a documentary called Underplayed from Stacey Lee, and it talks about uh, women in EDM, actually. And I, again, something I knew nothing about and how, you know, there aren't that many, there's not, women are very, very, very underrepresented in EDM. The
0: music?
2: Um, yeah. And um, Sing Me a Lullaby, which was a short film that I watched um, from Tiffany Young. And it's the story, it was filmed over 14 years, um, and it's a story of her mother's search for answers about um, her birth parents in Taiwan who gave her up. And it was, T, I feel like because you liked um, Farewell, or The Farewell, you would really like this too. So if you ever get a chance, it's, it's just stunning. It was, again, a hot mess as you do, as you are, when you watch these kinds of things. Um, yeah. And then another movie that I really enjoyed was Nomadland, which is probably yeah. something that you guys are going to see.
0: Yeah, it, sa- it certainly sounds like it from the buzz. So wh- what, did, what did you think of that one?
2: So I thought it's funny because I watched it with my partner, and she – we had completely different takes on it. She was – it's very slow, um, or not slow, it's very quiet. It's a very quiet movie. It very much uses, uh, just for context, sorry, it's about a woman who, um, her name's Fern, and she drives an old RV um, uh, in the American West, and she we follow her doing uh, seasonal jobs, and she lives out of her van. Mm. And it's a kind of portrayal of modern day nomad life. And it's adapted from Jessica Bruder's nonfiction book of the same name, and it's uh, cre- uh, both directed, written, and edited by Chloe Zhao, who head up this production. And I found it to be incredibly, like, empowering and and hopeful in some ways. And my partner was like, "This is so sad. This movie made me so sad." And I do really? it wasn't my favorite. So. Yeah, and the the great thing about it was they didn't really use actors. I mean, Francis McDormand is in it, and yeah. um, another actor um, who's David Strith- Strithairn, Um I don't know. Who, you would totally know him if you saw him. He was in okay. a league of their own. Oh. Nineties, and he's like, if you can't play ball in this, you can't play ball with us. That guy. <laughs> oh.
0: Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Of course, I know him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course. Of course. <laughs> the one with the Hershey bars or yes, the, whatever. Of
0: course. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, so those were the only two actors. So they essentially, because it kind of felt like a documentary, because they had real people who were living this nomadic life in the movie. And you were there with Frances McDormand in these camps and working these seasonal odd jobs. And she was interacting with these people. So I don't know like, how much of a script there was. Hmm. um and it felt very real yeah sounds cool so, yeah it was
0: like you, you did like it like you, overall you you enjoyed it It was your partner who, who kind of had this opposite view of it
2: yeah so. i en- i enjoyed it it was hard for her to find um she just thought it was very sad she was like they're ho- yeah. they're houseless and i'm like yeah but they find you know these people find find other things about life they don't they don't always yeah. i mean not to say that some people would of course want a home, but
0: sure.
2: you know, it was it was kind of great what they what these yeah. people make of it.
0: Um, in in the just a few minutes that we have left, yeah. I'm wondering if you could give a, a, a quick review of any of any films that you just didn't like. Like, was there anything what that on skip? the opposite of the spectrum that you were like, I don't like this?
2: Yeah, um, what to skip? Okay, so again, like I don't. is this movie called the. The memory house and or memory house and like I just didn't it was incredibly violent Taylor I think I texted you about it it was incredibly violent incredibly it was about this um black indigenous man who lives in an Austrian village and he's obviously being treated incredibly poorly like beaten called names and it was just so overtly Violent, And I'm not saying that there's no place for this to make a point about all of those types of things. But also, there was a lot of animal violence. Mm. There was a lot of um, just, it was very quiet. Like, there wasn't much dialogue. I didn't, I j- just did not feel smart enough for this film at all. It, I don't think it was made for me. And I just didn't, like, it completely went over my head. And I was straight up about to turn it off and just not watch it. But so I fast forwarded some of it because it was just like
0: I don't like yeah, it's just terrible. I mean, sometimes I mean, I I feel the same way about completely un, I, I was about to say that like I was about to say unnecessary violence, but violence is usually unnecessary, but in terms of the context of the film, if yeah. it's just violence for the sake of violence and animal cruelty, I never understand in the, like I don't understand why you would have animal violence in a film. Ever. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I, if if I understand what you're saying, I mean, I feel like I'd be on the same page with you about that. It's just like, wow, this might be. It might just be too much, right? That
1: was my yeah, experience and... with Antichrist. Yes. I'm oh like my gosh! I didn't get I, yeah. anything out of Antichrist.
2: Yep. Feel that? Feel that for sure. Then you would hate Violation, this other horror movie that I watched. It was very anti. It reminded me of Antichrist so
1: much. Yeah. But okay. it was yeah I'm like I'm not a prude and like violence doesn't upset me but I'm with you Nicole like sometimes it's like it was like the um the really like gross out violence that was in Midsummer that I'm like like people were like people in the audience were like oh my gosh like I could watch it fine I'm just like it just added nothing to the story exactly why why do we have to see that like it's not that I'm squeamish it's just stupid like i don't i don't know but with antichrist it was like to the point where it's like grotesque like what like
2: oh yeah and it went
1: went there in the memory house too and i'm and i
2: just like i didn't i didn't i didn't get it i 100 percent didn't get it
0: wow yeah yeah and it it just sounds like it just simply didn't resonate with you which is fair but Yeah. yeah Totally agree with what you're both saying, though, about that. I think sometimes it just doesn't hit. Um, We're we're just about out of time. So I just thought, Nicole, I I mean, I hate to to cut this conversation too short because this is all really great. Could you just give a quick summary all in all about your experience at TIFF and maybe just list off of these films were great, really enjoyed them?
2: Oh, sure. Um, so, experience, would I do it again if this was the only way? Yes, for sure. I do miss it in person, though. Um, definitely, uh, if you can, watch uh, No Ordinary Man, um, The Father, and Beans. I would say those are my kind of top picks.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and. Yeah, like, I, I'm curious to see what's going to come out of these films, what's going to come into theaters, if anything, what this means for um, the ever so redundant Oscars, yeah. and Golden Globes, again, redundant, yeah. but here we are. Here we are. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it was it was a good start to award yeah. season, I guess.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I really always look out like last year I did the same thing. I look out for your suggestions and see what does come because it does seem to shine a light on what you could see around award season. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm the same boat. I'm interested just as you are to see what will come to theaters. Um, but yeah, but thank you so much, Nicole, for doing this and yeah. for being here. Today. It was really great to hear from you. Thank yeah, you for having so much, me. Nicole. Yes, yeah, you. it was great. And I'm really glad you can give us this update. Um, on on TIFF because I, I do think film festivals are important and I'm even though you missed something with not being there in person I'm glad they were able to do something so people yeah. can still see these films absolutely yeah. well thank you everyone for for tuning in this week uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, uh, this and, and Nicole's uh, take on the Toronto International Film Festival 2020 um, stay tuned for next week we will be back with another new episode with some fun stuff with Mike and Taylor because it's always fun so thank you so much for tuning in. Go see some movies. Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. Recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Hanunoshabi and Anishabe peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.